This episode of Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by Hills. At Hills, their decades of science and research guide the company in creating nutrition that's a step ahead so pets and pet parents can enjoy every day together. As the U.S.'s number one veterinarian recommended pet food brand, knowledge is Hills' first ingredient. With 220-plus veterinarians, Ph.D. nutritionists, and food scientists working to develop breakthrough innovations in pet health. Hills Prescription Diet, Therapeutic Nutrition, plus the company's everyday foods, Hills Science Diet, Hills Healthy Advantage, and Hills Bioactive Recipe are sold at vet clinics and pet specialty retailers worldwide. For more information about Hills, their products, or their forward-thinking approach to nutrition, visit them at hillspet.com or hillsvet.com or connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by La Mega KC, Kansas City Spanish radio station. Listen online or at 100.5 FM. We're also sponsored by our friends at 1KC Radio. Listen at 100.1 in the KC Metro or online at 1kcradio.org. We're talking with Dr. Rachel Geller about keeping the peace among multiple cats. Coming up on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Dave Shapiro. Sierra Howe is off this week, so it's just me flying solo. Welcome to the show. We are indeed coming to you from the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We're a nonprofit dedicated to keeping pets and people together through supportive services. Welcome to the show. We were off for a few weeks. Maybe you noticed. Maybe you didn't, but I hope you did, and I hope you were sad. I don't want you to be sad, but I hope that you were sad that we, you get it. You get, you get what I'm saying, right? Anyway, we're back now. I had a few weeks uh, where I had some stuff I had to take care of. So now I'm back. We're going. Uh, and, of, of course, I came back right when um, Sierra was going on vacation. So, you know, I got to see her like a day. Um, and that was about it. But anyway, here I am now. And uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Rachel Geller about intercat aggression here in just a moment. But first, a little bit of pet news. Ever run into the store for a minute and leave somebody in the car that gets impatient? Um, it used to happen to me a lot when I was a kid. I'd get pretty impatient. I don't want to be in a car. I want to go home. Catherine Arana knows that feeling. She takes her dog Grayson in the morning with her when she drops off her daughter at school because he loves car rides. Now, how much does he love car rides? Well, when she stopped at a store and left him in the car with the AC running, it was only a matter of minutes before she heard a horn honking in the parking lot. When she went to check, sure enough, Grayson was honking the horn. She got him to stop long enough to go back inside to pay, but as she was paying, there it was again. This isn't the first time Grayson's been caught playing with the car at a family reunion a while back. He was in with the AC running because he doesn't like the heat, and he wanted a little bit of attention, so he started revving the engine. This is the kind of thing that you don't get necessarily with cats. I mean, you get it inside the home, but you don't get cool stuff like this, like a, like honking the horn. Um, I have yet to hear of a cat honking a horn. So I would say this is a win for dogs in the, in the dog column. Boop. There it is right there. And I'll tell you what, next up, how do you scare a black bear? Well, if you're Jack Russell Terrier, you might just cause a ruckus. A 61 year old Vermont woman was walking a trail with her two dogs when she was attacked by a black bear, right? Scary stuff. The bear was biting her leg. But then the terrier in question came to the rescue, distracting the bear by barking and barking and making lots of noise. Eventually, the woman and her dogs were able to get far enough away to be safe. She called 911 and was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. 
And thank goodness. And thank goodness she had those dogs with her. Now, she also had a Labradoodle with her. I don't know. Sounds like Labradoodle didn't do much. Um, is that a knock against Labradoodles? Not not for me personally. I'm just telling you what the facts are of the situation. Okay? All right. So that's our pet news for today. Coming up, we're going to talk to Dr. Rachel Geller about inner cat aggression. Let's get to it. Dr. Rachel Geller, welcome again and to the very exclusive Three Timers Club. Oh, I love this. I feel very special. So thank you for having me today. Yeah, fantastic. We, we always have a great time with you. So today we're talking about inner cat aggression. Um, cats are cute and sweet and wonderful, but they harbor a deep, dark secret. They're territorial. How does that sense of territory affect the way that they interact with other cats? So, yes. Cats have a very strong need to monitor their territory, assess their territory for invaders, and stand their ground. So this is very important to a cat. And when a cat senses or sees that her territory may be up for grabs, well, this causes a lot of stress in that cat's world. So when your cat thinks there is another cat on her territory Mm -hmm. or that cat sees a cat looking out the window or you've brought a newcomer home and haven't really gone through the introduction process, you will see guarding, intimidation, Mm. stalking, and this can definitely progress to daily fur flying battles. So how you introduce those cats will affect the way they interact with each other in terms of territory. So if you're just going to plop that newcomer into her new home with the resident cash, both cats are going to feel stressed, threatened, and possibly belligerent. Okay. So it generally will manifest as, as you know, resource guarding or stalking or something like that? So, yeah, yes, you definitely will see resource guarding. You definitely will see um, stalking and, and pouncing. And, and, you know, you might hear a hiss or a growl. Mm-hmm. But in addition... Aggression between household cats can be very subtle mm-hmm. and it can, it can be complex. So sometimes it's so subtle that cat parents don't even notice it. You know, they will, to the uninitiated, it looks like the cat has just found a very pleasant napping spot, but that cat may have strategically placed themselves so that the intimidated cat can't get to the litter box or can't get to the food. So, it can manifest itself, you know, outwardly and overtly, but there can also be these very subtle behaviors that are that will mark the um, mark one cat bullying the other cat over territory. Gotcha. Um, so I've heard a lot that cats do better in pairs, but doesn't socialization play a big part in whether a cat's really going to react well or poorly to another cat? Are, are cats actually loners? So it is kind of a myth that cats are loners. So cats are independent hunters, but they really are not independent beings. And if you think of cats who live outside, they form colonies and they all live together. So cats are social creatures and they do like company. But like you pointed out, much of this depends on how the cat was raised. Was the cat socialized as a kitten? Was the cat maybe separated from her litter? too young, has she had bad 
experiences with, with humans and so forth. But domesticated cats usually have no problem, you know, forming a small group in their home as long as there is a proper introduction, there's sufficient food, there's sufficient resources, there's lots of vertical space. Many cats really do like company, but you really have to do an introduction process in a way that that makes the cat feel safe and secure within that territory and lets the cat kind of set the pace of the progress of when that territory becomes shared. So, okay, well, let's let's jump right into that then. What is the best process for getting cats used to each other? Because it, it can be quite a long process. It really can. And I'm going to give you the very bullet point version of yes, it. Yes, I know. But it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. We could do like three whole shows on this. Maybe right. I'll be a six-timer. But um, it's real. the most important thing is the newcomer cat must start off being in her new home in a separate sanctuary room with a closed door. And mm-hmm. that door needs to be solid, not a glass door. And you'll want to go through a process that includes scent swapping, soil swapping, separate exploration sessions, starting to feed them on either side of the door with a small visual component with the door maybe just starting off being open a crack. Mm -hmm. You'll want to start doing some interactive play on either side of that door. And then eventually you'll move on to having the cat see each other more with the baby gate or a screen door or a lattice. But when you finally do want them to get together, you never want to go from zero to 60 with a cat. Right. So you will let them be together maybe for five minutes at first. And if that goes okay, you can bump it up to 10 minutes. And if that goes okay, you can bump it up to 15 minutes. So you really want the cats to gradually become desensitized to each other's presence. And Mm -hmm. if you do it slowly and gradually, you will be able to get the cats to tolerate each other. And then also make sure, you know, with that resource guarding we were talking about, that you have one more litter box than you have cats. Right. You have more than one feeding station, and be sure you have plenty of vertical space. Yep. Um, yeah, it's so – it's – I'm not like a – I guess I've had cats for 10 years now. I, I don't think about it as being that long, but – so – we had um, a cat. We have two cats right now, and we have had a foster before for somebody that um, had to go back to their home country and was trying to find a way back. It was a long process, but we had this cat, Harry, for a little while, and our cat, Squeaks, is notoriously fussy. She tolerates Tanar, I think, uh, uh-huh. but, but doesn't really you know, interact very much. They don't, they don't play together very often. Um, and the process of acclimating Harry was was pretty good, but Harry was a pretty affable cat. We currently have another foster uh, for a friend of ours who's between places, and that has been a nightmare. Um, Squeaks just does not like this cat for whatever reason. We've you know tried scent swapping. We we got feel away, which we'll talk about later. Um, go in, you know, we're, we're trying all the stuff, but it's just been, it's just such a long process and you don't want to mess it up because that's, then that's it. They've made their decision about what's going on here. Yes, it definitely can be, you know, a longer process for some cats, you know, depending on how territorial 
your cats are and you know, just like people, like some cats rub each other the wrong way and you right. really don't know what, what it might be. But I think the most important thing when doing an introduction is you don't move on to the next step until the previous step is really going well. Right. And that, otherwise the cat will just get really overwhelmed. And, you know, I have, I've had people who go through the introduction process and everything goes swimmingly and like within a week they're acclimated and, and, you know, both cats are fine. But I've also worked with clients for like two to three years on introduction. So it, it is absolutely true what you're saying that with some cats, it just is a harder process than others. And with some cats, you have to maybe walk it back a few times or add in some more elements. Right. It's not always, yeah, one size fits all. But it, you know, sometimes it really is a work in progress to get cats to tolerate each other. And many times that's all I'm, look, I'm aiming for for some of my clients. You know, they may never gleefully embrace each other, but as long as we can get to that point of toleration, most people are, are, are okay with that. Right, right. Um, is there a better way to acclimate like a, a kitten as opposed to a full-grown cat? You basically would go through the same process because that – your resident cat is going to feel a little concerned and stressed about suddenly having to share territory. So a lot of times the fact that, you know, the kitten is smaller or the kitten is younger may not necessarily matter to that resident cat. So I always suggest people to go through the same process, whether the cat is a kitten you know, a young adult or an old timer, because you just really never know. And it's always, always better to err on the side of caution and go through it slowly at first, rather than having those negative associations pop up and having to walk it back. Right. Okay. Well, okay. So what about the synthetic hormone products like feel away? Um, how, How do you feel about those? So this is something, again, that varies widely cat to cat. I work with people and they say, oh, my goodness, this was a life life changer. It really helped. And some people say that cats don't really notice the difference. Mm -hmm. But many times they can help to promote a sense of calm and security in like a stressful situation, like an introduction. And it mimics that cat rubbing, you know, their heads against you, the furniture, objects, the floor, and so forth. And cats do find marking their places in the territory very comforting. So it can help a cat feel like she has already marked her territory. So then when she comes upon it again, she feels calmer with the other cat because she's sort of being tricked into thinking she's already marked it as a feel-good, safe area. So they can help but they absolutely will not replace you really going through that cat introduction process. Right. You still got to do the work. You do have to do the work. Believe me, if we could just spray a little feel away and the cats loved each other, we'd all be very happy. But Uh, sadly, that's not how it works. Nope. Nope. Well, okay. Last question. If you're thinking about getting another cat, is there any way to know if the cat or cats you've already got at home will be willing to share their space? So, this really is so dependent on, you know, your cat. You know, if, if your cat is tolerant of other cats, if they've lived together in the past, right. you can you can probably make this work. But one thing I always say to people is when you're adopting from a shelter, 
these are questions you can ask the shelter staff. Exactly. How is this, yep. how is this cat, you know, with other cats? Is this cat getting along with the other cats at the shelter? Or is this cat more of an alpha cat or a bully to the other cats? Or does this cat seek out other cats for comfort? And typically the shelter staff will be able to answer those questions and they'll know if a particular cat is a good match for your resident cat. And even little things, if you have a cat who tends to be quiet and shy, you really don't want to adopt an extremely assertive cat. Right. So the best thing to do is kind of describe your cat's disposition, how she has or hasn't been with other cats or even a dog in the past. And, but still, even if everything checks out, I can't emphasize enough. You still, still need to do that slow, structured introduction. We don't want that newcomer to feel like he's being plopped into enemy lines Mm -hmm. because he's going to freak out. And we don't want your resident cat to feel like, oh, I'm just going to take your territory and give it to this other new cat. And guess what? The new cat's never leaving. So that's not a good position to put the resident cat in either. Okay. This has all been very, very illuminating. And I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your information with us. Well, thank you for having me because it makes me very happy to be able to, you know, let people hear this information because people who have the knowledge about cats and people who are dealing with um, new cats or aggressive cats or whatever, it's great that they know that there's hope out there and there's something that can be done. Exactly. Yep. Thank you so much, Doc, for your time. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. So, Dr. Washington, thank you for taking a sec to talk with us. We're starting to head into fall, which means cooler weather, which means we're out of the woods when it comes to parasites, right? Not necessarily. I would consider parasites to decline in terms of fleas and ticks specifically, if we're talking external parasites. Those start to decline when we get a really, really hard freeze on the ground. Mm -hmm. Fleas really actually love to get into your carpets. So in your closets, under your couches, and they burrow down into the carpet and go through different life stages. And they can stay actually in that environment for up to a year. Mm -hmm. So even if it's cold outside, your animals might bring those things into your home and they can burrow into your environment and then pop out in the middle of winter. So it's always recommended to keep all of your animals on a preventative year round, especially for heartworms. Okay. Well then let's talk about heartworms. Uh, what, what, what is heartworm? How do dogs and cats get it? Heartworms is pretty much in the name. It's a worm that lives very near in the heart. It actually lives in the vessels in between the heart and the lungs. So it really affects the heart's ability to pump blood to the lungs and then oxygenate the body. So heartworms are actually spread by mosquitoes. Dogs that have heartworms will get bitten by a mosquito. Those mosquitoes will pick up that heartworm baby. It goes through a life cycle and then they bite another dog and place that infectious heartworm into that pet. So the key is to constantly keep your pets on prevention because they're constantly getting bitten by mosquitoes that have heartworms. And what we want to do is kill that infectious larva that the mosquito puts into our dog before it can mature. 
And heartworm prevention is also very, very important year round because we really only have maybe one or two months where we don't have mosquitoes and we have that really, really hard freeze. So every year is a bit different. It's just to be in the best interest of your pet to always keep them on heartworm prevention year round. Makes a lot of sense. Now, cats can also get heartworm disease as well, but it doesn't manifest in the same way. Is that right? Yes. Cats, just like humans, are actually better with their internal immune system at killing that heartworm before it metabolizes into an adult heartworm that lives in and around the heart. The problem with cats is sometimes those worms do get past their defenses and there is no treatment option for cats. And almost always those heartworms will end in that cat's death and it happens much quicker than dogs and the symptoms aren't the same. So a lot of times cats just decline rapidly and they die rapidly um, and heartworms are, there's really no way to treat them in cats. So the key for cats, especially if they're indoor outdoor and they like to go and explore is to just keep them on um, a product that we carry called Advantage Multi that will also take care of fleas and ear mites as well as heartworms and intestinal parasites. So great prevention options that we carry that will cover your cats for everything they need. So yeah, so you're here to hear um, heartworm prevention, everything year-round, um, heartworm prevention for dogs and cats both. Um, you can get it here. We're glad to help you out. Thanks so much for your time, Doc. No problem. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. Big thanks to Dr. Rachel Geller for being on the show today. You can learn more about her and her work at drrachelcatbehavior.com. As for us, we're a nonprofit trying to keep pets and people together, and you can help. Just go to prckc.org, and you can donate, volunteer, shop our online store, and more. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, rate us and leave us a review to draw new listeners in as they see how wonderful and magical we are through your loving words and stars. If you're on Facebook and Twitter, give us a follow for all the latest news. We're at PRR Podcast on both platforms. So tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as Japanese author Haruki Murakami said, I collect records and cats. I don't have any cats right now, but if I'm taking a walk and I see a cat, I'm happy. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, written, hosted, produced, mixed, and mastered by yours truly, Dave Shapiro. Music by Hazel Rob Musical Industries, also me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Hazel Rob Musical Industries. Mm-hmm.